Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready? Go. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, but we will be taking it very seriously today because this is not a World Cup podcast. This is, well, something that we do and no one else does really, which is when the World Cup is going on, we're going to talk about issues that might otherwise go underneath the radar, and I think that I've found one. But before we get into that, hello Phil, how are you? Hello JB, I am... I. <laughs> I'm actually very, very tired. I feel a little bit spaced out. I feel exact. I am really struggling right now. <laughs> but it's important that important that we do this. Well, you you're struggling because you've um, trained twice today. I have trained twice and I've worked. And I, I've done- I'm struggling because I've also trained twice, including doing a flat out mile. I tell you what, this I would evening rather have done my sessions than your sessions. That is brutal. The flat out mile was hard. I've going. done that track session and it's horrible. Hard going. Um, but other than that, I feel okay. But for someone who has not trained twice today, but is no doubt exhausted from his overindulgence over the weekend in a shipping container somewhere in the south of France, it's Tim Cocker. I am exhausted. That is absolutely <laughs> true. I'm just having a beer and I'm cutting myself a, a bit of rock for to put on a bit of baguette. So the, op- the opposite of training. Oh my God, it's stressing me out. So how Amazing. Uh, we've doubled down on our training. Have you doubled down on your eating? <laughs> no, I, just, honestly, I have, I have not eaten very much the last two days. I've been, I, honestly, I have been so non-stop that I didn't have breakfast or lunch. I've basically accidentally been doing intermittent fasting and having one massive meal in the <laughs> evening when everything's done. People talk, particularly international folk, about how bad English food is. And maybe they've got a point, maybe they haven't. I, I, I don't know. But I can't imagine how how hard dieting must be in France. Oh, the the, the abundance of just high-quality, delicious food. I've just got some rock fork, going to throw it on some bread. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I want it. I want it desperately, but it also stresses me out. <laughs> it really stresses but me the, out. The, the, there is also something comforting about bread that goes rock hard in about... 14 hours um like the the lack of additives and and crap that's in the food it's it's at least it's um it's pure a lot I, of it i don't know give me those additives all all, all day long <laughs> i i am with uh-huh. you tim the uh it's like the the subway bread yeah you can just leave out for six months and it's absolutely fine so i bought a loaf of bread yeah. i bought a loaf of bread the other day from my local cheese shop i think we call it the cheese hamlet or is that no that's in didsbury mm. so what's the one in charlton Anyway, there's a cheese shop in Charleston. And uh, they sold me some bread. I didn't even look at the price. It's like five <clears> quid, <throat> and it goes off after a day. Like, your only option is to ingest say, <clears throat> you know, 2,000 calories worth of bread. Uh, and you can't have it on its own, can you? You've got to have butter. So, round that up to 3,000. Oh, 
three thousand calories. The following day, you can not like what the what the French and Italians and Greeks and stuff do is they make breadcrumbs. That stale bread, they they put that in the like you yeah use it as basically a rusk in a salad. Yes, that is true. Well, you're meant to freeze it, aren't you? And then you can um, make them. Anyway, anyway, that's not why we're here. It's not. So, JB, tell us why we are here. Yeah. So, I heard (coughs) an interesting tidbit the other day. And this interesting tidbit I kind of followed up. And I think I'm onto something. In fact, I think I'm onto a really interesting story. Mm. So, as you're aware, the RFU pay PRL, Premier Rugby Limited, an amount of money for the agreement to basically release the international players to England. Okay? Now, let me pose a question for you. If, for example, you were a major union and you were to pay a league which produces your players for you and that league had gone down from, what, 30, was it 13 teams to 10 teams? Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, you don't really need the players anytime soon because, well, you're playing a World Cup. Now, if that hypothetically was your situation, I'm not saying it is the situation, but hypothetically that did occur, would you be paying more or less in your agreement? What would you be doing? <sighs> um, the total would probably go down. Interesting. Because there are fewer teams. Tim, you're a logical kind of guy. What would you do? Well... Phil would actually be the one that can work out the percentage of what 10 is from 13. But um, whatever that would be, that would be logical. Maybe adjusted for inflation, it might end up being about the same. Mm. Yeah. That's a fair point, Tim. That's a a fair point. point. But also, there is another dynamic here, which is uh, the league is, or certainly the clubs, the, the teams in the league are not making much money, hence why three of them have gone bump. Yep. And there is pretty considerable player drain to um, another top league, um, the top 14, yep. just across the water. So from that side of things, you might be saying, well, if the RFU have the money, which is is a third question that I guess um, we we kind of do know the answer to and they don't really. They, do de- but, they definitely do not have the money. But they might have to find the money from somewhere in order to... Uh, sure up these clubs otherwise the clubs will underperform and more of them will fail which will um, damage the product even further and lead to even more player drain including potentially even more talented ones well the answer is the RFU are going to increase the amount that they pay PRL from 28 million to 34 million interesting which is go on please the, the 28 million Yep. So, uh, this is all part of the professional game agreement. Yep. Which the current one runs from 2016 through to 2024. So, ends this year. It was an eight-year agreement. That's right. The first four years of that eight-year agreement was at... It was £112 million across four years, which evenly split is £28 million per year. Mm-hmm. They've not actually announced... I can't... I've looked this up. I can't find anywhere what the second four years of payments Ah. was. I can confirm, I've read it somewhere, uh, that it was linked to the RFU's financial performance. So I suspect that the payments have been lower than the 28 million for the... Certainly the the 
well, yeah, the whole of the last four years will be yeah. will be lower, basically post COVID, because RFU funds are lower. Yeah, well, this is exactly the question which was posed to me by the person who told me this thing. I said, why would you, or why would you do that? This is this this is ne- this is negligence. Why would you do? Sorry, why would you increase the funds? Yeah, why would you increase these funds when you don't need to? Because it's negligent. Well, yeah, but do you need to? Because if more if if more teams go bump, that's a bad thing, and if more players, more English qualified players in their prime leave, that's also a bad thing. Yeah, and, I, and that's exactly where I came down to. I was like, well, it's not simply a case of saying, look, we are the RFU and we we just refuse to pay you. It's a case of actually, we are the RFU, and my God, we need the we need some players. Yeah, and the people in the higher positions in the RFU, I don't think they could stomach. I mean, a ten team league. Is like an accidentally good outcome. <laughs> yes, right. A nine-team league is an absolute monumental disaster. They can't. Well, they can't let another club fail. No, they just, they can't, just happen. can't happen. Uh, I uh, well, the out would be if one more club fails. The out is Ealing's got to jump up. Yeah, but they have to rip up their rules to allow Ealing to jump up. Jump up. Yeah, it's the whole. But thing. it's it's still a disaster. I said. Maybe earlier on this year, rugby has got five years left in its in its current form. I don't think the game will exist at all, really, in five years' time. Um, it's certainly not the professional game, and I think this is just one step prior to the ultimate death the, the the ultimate death spiral. So you mentioned it, Phil. The reason that they're doing this is because oh. in, the England players at the moment are very much of the opinion of yeah, pick me if you want, that'd be really cool. But if you don't, I'll go to La Rochelle for four hundred k. I'll go to Lyon for four hundred k. And like, everyone says, well. You know, there is an agreement in France and they can't take them all. No, but they'll take the best ones. The, yeah, the best ones would definitely go. Like, yeah. The t- top talent, there is only a, a very small supply of the top top talent. Yeah. And if these players start... So the next question is like, what is the RFU going to ask for in return? And this is eerily close, well, if it happens, of course. This is eerily close to what I was predicting, which is you're going to have to pay more money for your top talent to play less. <clears throat> so if you're Saracens, you've got Owen Farrell on your books. Saracens are an amazing organisation. But they can't afford to let Owen Farrell go. And the only way they can really keep him is to pay him a lot more a, a lot more money. It's just not... Uh, more to the point, it's not fair to ask him to stay if you're not going to commit to him. Like mm-hmm. You've got to give him, you've got to give Mario, you've got to give these boys the cash. Because you can't just say, yeah, you're amazing, you're amazing players... Please don't go and get that six hundred thousand pounds. Owen Farrell would get six hundred thousand. He'd probably get more than that, that in France. He'd get a mega deal in France because he's so well suited to the French style of game as well. Yeah, like just a mega mega deal. So England will cough up, but what England will demand instead is like, okay, we've coughed up, but you must give them to us on these certain dates, and it's going to be a bigger agreement. So what will happen is, you know, the kids who go to watch Saracens <coughs> will see their see their favourite stars less. And the thing which no one will report is where is the money coming from? And it has to come from somewhere, and it'll come from the community game. Well, yeah, which is because the RFU is not flush with cash. Um, therefore, they've got to, to spend more in one area, they've got to cut in another area. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing will be whether they do some kind of enhancement deal so more money, the clubs can spend more money, i.e., the. Um, either additional England credits, this goes into further England credits um, to bump up the salary cap through that mechanism, or 
just raise the salary cap, which is discussed for <sighs> next season. Going back up, isn't it? I mean, this all sort of feeds back into the death spiral but it, of, yeah. of the game, doesn't it? So, there was some talk a few years ago. And Tim, just feel free to jump in with anything uh, you want to add. But there was a few, there was some talk a few years ago, like, oh, well, it's okay, the international game will bail us out, or the unions will bail us out. Certainly, like, the Wales, the Welsh position is, they're just waiting for the WRU to pay for everything. Mm. And in England, they're waiting for the RFU to pay for everything. What they forget is the economic draw of that French league is going to get to such a powerful point that the unions will be helpless to stop it. Yeah, And I wonder if we're past that tipping point now. Because for the RFU to step in now, it could it's not going to break them this time round, but I suspect it'll break them next time round. Because to keep their best players, you're going to be paying a disproportionate amount of your salary cap to these guys who you're not going to see. You're going to exacerbate the loss of the middle-tier players, and your product's going to get worse and worse and worse. This yeah. is the, this is the, this is the start. Of, this is the beginning of the end. I'm, I'm certain of it. And you're not going to have enough money in the coffers to produce the talent across the rest of England in order to replace it. So the the key is the str- a strong Premiership because that means growing revenues, commercial yeah. and television re- revenues. So you've got this is. Um, I think you hinted or said it on the last, the end of the last podcast. This is a gamble because yes, this is a is. gamble. If this is what's happening, um, it's a gamble to strengthen the league by RFU over stretching themselves or cutting money from elsewhere. Which whichever way round they square that circle, they either cut services elsewhere or they kind of take on loans and financing to yeah. to do it to put in money to strengthen the project the um, product of the Premiership, hoping it leads to more uh, crowd and TV money. Therefore, they've got yes. they've, they've got more power themselves. But that's a gamble. Yeah, let's just talk about the gambling element of this. So I was going to take this uh, conversation elsewhere, but we'll just go with the gambling element. Everything Bill Sweeney has done is a gamble. Like, the guy is a pathological gambler. Now, that might sound a bit harsh, but just, you know, how would you define a gamble? A gamble is like... Well, we know there's negative consequences now, i.e. spending the money. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else custom spray five and one only from rustoleum i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we have no idea what's going to happen in the, in the future. In fact, looking at it right now, it looks more than likely that we're going to be throwing good money after bad. I mean, it looks almost certain that that's, that that's what they're going to be doing. So he gambled getting Borthwick in. That might work, it might not, but you know, most people would say sacking your coach so close to the World Cup is a, is indeed a gamble. 
He's gambled with the CBC I mean, deal. That that is definitely a gamble. The um, yeah, the, it is the yeah uh, the Eddie Jones thing. He's gambled with the CBC deal, uh, along with uh, it's not Bill Sweeney on his own, but that that's well. There's two CBC deals, isn't there? Well, there's, there's the RFU one, and there's the Premiership rugby the Premiership one. Neither now, neither of which because the RFU one is a Six Nations one. Yes, that was not the RFU on their own. Neither of them is Bill Sweeney in isolation. No, but you know it just builds to that narrative, doesn't it? You know he's already got this track record, and again, you know on paper what what is the CBC deal? It's like let's give away our money, but let's hope something changes. We don't know what the something will be, but we hope to God something changes between now and giving away that money. We hope that we make so much money somehow without this plan that it will dwarf the amount of money that we've given away. But the hope, that's basically it, isn't it? The hope is that CV or the hope was that CVC were competent, credible individuals who could actually grow the pie so you've got a you've got a slightly smaller slice of a much bigger pie it's yeah. just it's just proven I to love, be i love this story so, much. so so wrong i mean how did three guys in a basement know that this was wrong how did we know it was wrong how did these <laughs> in, guys- in fairness you were the one who called it wrong i i thought i was optimistic that i was optimistic that someone would have done the due diligence to say Oh yeah, CVC. They've got some good guys. They they can grow this commercial uh, entity. Well, nope. This is the thing with Bill Sweeney. It is the next job that he's interested in, not this one. He's going to become the most important guy in rugby, uh, English rugby. Well, he already is, but because he's effectively the canary now. When that man leaves, that means that I think that England are on the precipice of something disastrous because he wants to leave, saying he's got an agreement with the clubs, the women's game is thriving, and. Something else because he's good at spinning those stories. DEI, massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A huge, huge DEI, DEI drive. Well, well, well done, Bill. Great, and he'll go. And he, all every single policy that he's instituting at the moment is just kicking the can for for his predecessor to pick up. Sorry, predecessor, his um, replacement to pick up. I mean that that is it over and over again. There is a fourth one which I can't quite remember. Um, but you know, you look at rugby's overall health. The other CVC deal, the, the the Premier Rugby deal, kind of makes everything unviable anyway. You pointed out that maybe we get around this by just allowing the teams to spend more. But if the owners don't want to spend more... Yeah, yeah, that, that is if they've... And it's it's easy to say that, but almost all the teams are losing money. Yeah. So you've got to have generous owners, uh, owners with deep pockets and who are willing to throw away money for, for a uncertain return back in the day you could get an owner in right you could get an owner in and they would say okay i'll give this a fair shot i've built loads of businesses i'm wealthy enough to do it i will i will gamble right that i can make this work but now that cbc deal means there is no gamble it's a guaranteed way to lose money so you raise a salary cap you've just gonna have to find someone who wants to lose money year after year because the, the central revenue is shot it's gone Right, that's why no one bought London Irish, no one bought Wasps, no one bought Worcester. First time in rugby's history, anything like that has happened. Why do people want, not want these clubs? Because what the CVC deal does is it just poison pills all the rugby clubs in the league for future owners. It just allows the, the, <coughs> the current unsustainable owners to be there for a, a year or two longer. So we're going to get no outside investment from so-called private entities. Uh, and then, of course, there is the, the, the RFU. Like, this is the ultimate gamble. Because once that money has got... And by the way, what is he spending? That's the, uh, that, that's the other question. What is this money he's spending? I'll tell you what it is. 
It's just redeployment of capital. He's not spending income. He, he's not spending revenues that the game is generating. He's got a pot of money, uh, again, CVC money, and it's that capital that he's spending on the premiership clubs, which will then be you know spent on uh, like running costs, effectively, and salaries. It is an utter recipe for disaster. It's not looking good. It's not. if Well, regardless, it's not looking good anyway, but... Um, this this doesn't look particularly good. No, you combine it with the Francis Barron report, and all of a sudden, we're... so the, there is something to add to this as well, which, which is: Do you remember on a Patreon pod that we did maybe three months ago, just after the season? And I read an article in the um, Ruby paper, which mentioned, and I don't think. I'm certain I've not seen this elsewhere before or since that there was a board, there was a vote of no confidence yes. in the RFU board. I can explain this, and that has just gone totally silent. Like, not, it was silent, but it's not gone silent. It has always been totally silent. Yeah, it was misreporting, unfortunately. Was it? Yeah. So it was something like um, it was a disagreement about who should run the review of the RFU. The RFU wanted to get someone external to do it and the council wanted to do it internally and as such it was de- it was construed that that was a vote of no confidence but that didn't actually happen it was just a difference of opinion as to who should conduct the review of governance of the rfu so that perhaps makes sense why it wasn't reported in anywhere apart from one place yes exactly <laughs> right because that's some big news yes that's what i wanted to say so one of the reasons i think this is right okay is bill sweeney does not give interviews to the press he phones podcasters occasionally, and he tries to get he, he tries to get them on side with often disastrous consequences. But he doesn't talk to the press. Right? He thinks he's above scrutiny, and he um, tends to keep his thoughts to to himself. Now, he has agreed to do a press conference in Nice, I think. I think uh, mm. Leon or Nice, one of the two. Um, it's the first time he'll be speaking to the written press for a long, long time. Uh, and I suspect that this deal will be done before that because he'll want to show up to that conference with something to with, show for his efforts. With good news. Yeah. And so I think that's why this is important because um, people need to be furnished with the information to ask the correct questions. Mm. Where's the money coming from, Bill? Um, you know, how? Do, when do you expect to see this money return? You know, what, yeah, what, what's the timescales on... on um, the positive aspects that you're anticipating to get out of this invest- investment, but it's not an investment. Yeah. I, do you know, it's so awful to say this. It, it, make, it makes me really sad. I mean, like legitimately sad. I don't see a way out of where rugby is in England. I mean, I think if you're a rugby fan, the only thing you can do logically, and I, I'm not saying this in a, in a joke or in any way at all, stop, start watching the top 14. <laughs> like, I don't. If you really want to con- to continue to enjoy this game, you can't watch your club because it's just going to slowly crumble. You know, as the crowds dry up, because the player pool has dried up, because you won't see your internationals, because you know they ruined the calendar. You know, you got you got all these various things working against England now. I just don't see how it. I don't see how it recovers. You know, it can't be central funding from the RFU because they've got they've got the money. It can't be the owners because they're tied to the CVC deal. It can't be new owners because of the effect of the CVC deal. 
and I don't see any evidence that crowds are flocking to rugby or there's going to be any more TV money coming. So what, how... Well, the mo- yeah, the more TV money... It, whatever TV money there is is spread across fewer teams, which is positive, but there's also fewer games. Yeah. So it's if it'll be less money across fewer teams, so it might work out about the same per club. The only out for clubs, the only out for them, is um, more attendance. Sen- Localised revenue. But, but it's not going to happen. Certainly good, well-run clubs, they get close to capacity anyway. So the only way to, to square that is by put, jacking the prices up. But you'd be jacking the prices up for a um, arguably lesser product because well, there's stars drifting out of the... Of yeah. the English game, and that's it, isn't it? So, so, yeah. yeah. So, so Leicester Tigers have sold a load of season tickets again this year, which like, is which is great news because five years ago when they were in a bad period, Welford Road was half empty, yeah. which is just something you never saw previously. No. So it's great to see Welford Road back up and full. Yeah, the only way forward for the clubs is to get localized revenue from crowds, and well, I I wish that was I wish they could do that, but they can't. No, it's certainly not going to solve all of their problems. No. So anyway, watch out for Bill Sweeney giving his interview. You you heard it here first. I think that there'll be this announcement to go with it. I think um, we need to be asking him the right questions. And he needs to go, frankly. But the thing is, I don't even know how you replace him. Because I think the damage has been so severe and all the poison pills have already been seeded. All the gambles have been made. Whoever picks up this job in the RFU next, we should always remember what Bill Sweeney did, did, did to the game, whether it be the high tackle stuff, the CBC stuff the coaching stuff, uh, this latest play, player agreement, whatever it may be, you know, just the holes in the finance, uh, the, the you know, the, the mess they made of... I mean, one of the most callous things that I've heard out of them was a uh, presentation. I think Sweeney was on the call and somebody else as well uh, regarding... Is it the West Stand? I always get that mixed up. The stand that they refurbed uh, four or five years ago. Yeah, um, they blamed Grenfell on the increase in costs. Now I know I've brought this in, brought, brought this up in the, on, on the podcast before. Grenfell was obviously a disaster, obviously for, well, for the people that lost their lives, but also you know it had an impact on the building industry. It did. It did not have the impact that Bill Sweeney says, right on on his stand, and not only did it not have the impact to use the loss of life as an excuse for your incompetence is probably the most sinister thing that I've ever heard. Like that goes beyond rugby. That goes beyond the high tackle stuff. It goes it goes beyond just basic decency and ethics. I know I've I've not seen that. Um it did it, but, on, a, it did it on a conference call to one of the uh, CCVs. But it it does sound pretty cynical cuz yes there is um complication and significant impact of um Grenfell on construction fire safety. But uh, I can't remember the exact figures. That, that stadium was something like 60% over budget. It's very well hidden. I've looked into it a while yeah. ago. It's very well hidden. Um, I find it hard to believe that that is the primary cause. I find it hard to believe as well. And even if it was the primary cause, I, I think it's incredibly unsavoury to say, well, sorry guys, it's Grenfell. Um, do you not fancy the job, JB? There are two men that can save rugby. Um <laughs> One of them is me, and Dana White is busy. So, <laughs> would you would you fancy sixty uh, six hundred and sixty eight thousand pounds per year? Uh, Seven hundred. Uh, well, this you got is a pay rise. 
this is in the, the latest reports and accounts 2022. So I'm, I'm sure it's probably 800 by now, actually. Yeah, he's got a substantial pay rise. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, this I, you know, this is why he is a canary in, in, in the coal mine. Um, he wants to keep this job. He wants to feather his nest. He's going to walk away with some thing. You know, as the game burns, he can say, yeah, the women's game is thri- thriving. Whether it is or not, I don't actually know. Um, and that's pretty much the only thing he can say. But, of course, everything he does is just a redeployment of, of, of capital. It's not really thriving in the sense that, like, it's making its own money and it's sustain. I mean, if it's sustainable on its own two feet, the women should have, the, have, have their own union. But it's not. It's just parasitically taking away from the rest of the game. And maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe that's how we redress the balance for not enough women playing. But it is not true to say the women's game is thriving because it's thriving at the expense of something else. Tim Cocker, are you enjoying your beer and your Rockfort? I think he's gone. (laughs) We've poured Tim to death. (laughs) He's never normally this quiet. No, he's not, is he? Happened. Um, I wonder if I should just check my phone and see if he's. He's probably. Uh, I hope he's not been attacked or something. <laughs> Apologies. Phone shut down due to a system update. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Well, I think we've done enough for this. So, uh, yeah, that's my update for the, for the RFU. Watch out for Bill Sweeney's in, uh, interview. I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm on something here. Mm, I will watch with bated or wait with bated breath. Excellent. Right, so from uh, me and Phil, but not Tim because he's lazy and unprofessional, uh, we'll see you on Friday morning. Friday morning. Saturday morning? Maybe maybe Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Fantastic. And then maybe one on Monday as well. Right, so enjoy your week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.